from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Let's get this image up and running. All right, so good morning. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I'm pre-recording today's episode like I did yesterday's. Again, sorry for the delay in getting yesterday's episode published for all of our viewers. All of our listeners were able to get it just fine at the regular scheduled time. However, uh, many of our viewers, uh, it, it aired about 50 minutes late late than usual. We do apologize. We just had some technical difficulties in getting everything scheduled out and pushed out. So uh, and the views, uh, obviously, maybe doing the show a little bit later in the day might be more beneficial for everyone tuning in because uh, we had great viewers yesterday. So great viewer ratings. Maybe it's because we went late. Maybe we got to change it up a little bit. But without further ado, thanks so much for tuning in. Again, I'm pre-recording today's episode as well. I'm on the road traveling and and, and obviously my full-time job sometimes gets into my time with all of y'all. But without my time with all of y'all, my day cannot start, cannot be completed. It's almost like when I when I, when I put on my tefillin uh, every morning. So without further ado, Let's go ahead and get started on this morning's show. We've got a lot to talk about because there's a lot going on. And like I said, buckle in. This 2024 is going to be a very monumental year for cybersecurity. Transformational in many, many ways. Some good, some not as well. And as practitioners, we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. We have to kind of start to look and read the cards that are being laid out in front of us and understand the threats that our organizations are going to be uh, facing and how we're going to be able to handle those threats going into this year. So join me i'm in a hotel that actually has an espresso machine in the room yes and uh for those that are not subscribers of our substack when you subscribe and support the show on substack you get one of these which has a very very warm espresso a deliciously warm espresso it's great to be in a hotel with an espresso machine because i get to do this coffee cup cheers y'all especially at the time of pre-recording it like if y'all can't tell it's still dark outside right so <laughs> it's a it's it's a good time uh, to have an espresso let's go ahead kick off the show this morning. Ivanti has had a nightmare start to 2024, uh, multiple zero days patched together. Uh, Ivanti really changed its name. It used to be Pulse Secure. They rebranded because Pulse Secure was just so bad. And now, uh, you know, Ivanti Connect Secure VPN appliances, which are already being exploited actively. Uh, are, are, are facing some real challenges. One, Avanti has missed every deadline it's given to release software patches to deal with the zero days. They're just having a hard time with testing and quality issues that's leading to delays. And obviously, if they had that kind of dedication, maybe potentially in the writing and deploying of their software, kind of really looking at, you know, if you're if you're a security company, one of the things you hear at almost every event is SLDC, right? And 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 so much of that uh, plays into this. Um, and so that's that's even more important is is to really understand that. And and here's a live example of if you don't have it built into your pipeline, then trying to do it at a later time is an uphill battle. And you got to fight that battle now. And this is a prime example of really winning over your engineering team and your development team and so forth and going like. Let us work together in order to not be what these guys are facing because they are facing challenges in releasing patches. They've missed several CISA deadlines. CISA had given uh, set a January 22 date for federal agencies to start deploying fixes. Those fixes are unavailable. Uh, and, and so at this time, the, the mitigation of the risk can only go to specific mitigations that are available. Uh, Velocity, 
Uh, researchers said the FCOT attackers modifying legitimate ICS components, making changes to the system to evade integrity's checker tool and backdooring some CGI file uh, on the ICS VPN appliance to allow command execution. Um, so uh, significant challenges for Ivanti. We hope and, 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 and really hope that they're able to resolve these, issue a patch, learn from their mistakes, be transparent with the community of what they've learned and share it uh, so that we all get better as a community. Energy management and automation giant Schneider Electric is suffered an alleged cactus ransomware attack that's led to theft of corporate data with people familiar with the matter. Uh, the ransomware attack hit the company's sustainability business division earlier this month on January 17th. The attack disrupted some of Schneider's Electric's resource advisor cloud platform, which continues to suffer outages today as well. The ransomware gang reportedly stole terabytes worth of corporate data during the cyber attack. It's now extorting the company by threatening to leak the stolen data if a ransom is not paid a, a typical way of doing that. Customers of Schneider's Electric Sustainability Business include Allegiant Travel Company, Clorox, DHL, DuPont, Hilton, Lexmark, PepsiCo, and Walmart. Uh, one of the first companies there, Clorox, just suffered a breach on their manufacturing line, which is going to, they said, is going to impact their first quarter quarterly earnings this year uh, and, and, and potential supply chain. So we'll see how all of that plays in there and, and what kind of impact this specific ransomware attack would have on their customers and on Schneider Electric. It's not known if Schneider will be paying a ransom or if it paid one or, or what the case may be. In a statement to Bleeping Computer, Schneider Electric confirmed the cyber attack and said data was accessed by the threat actors. The company says the attack was restricted to one division and didn't impact other parts of the company. And if we take a deep dive into what this means, well, it hasn't disrupted any other parts of the company, number one, right? Number two, they've probably done a really good job segmenting their different divisions. So they don't have everyone sitting somewhere that they've really done some really good segmentation. They've de-risked their various divisions, meaning just because you hit one division doesn't mean you hit the whole company. And that's really how you build resiliency in an organization. That's really, as a practitioner, that's what you look for, is that type of resiliency. It's that type of separation and segmentation within your network, within your data, and, and then you, you, when you want to bring it together, it's an exception and it's done in a controlled manner. And, and, and so my hope here is that some people look at what, what is Schneider uh, doing well in this specific ransomware attack and really address it. Again, they're a victim of a crime here, so, so we'll do that. But who in the world is Cactus Ransomware? We haven't talked about them much. Uh, they have been around since March of last year. They've amassed numerous companies that they claim to have breached through specific cyber attacks as well. Um, but they haven't really, you know, made a name for themselves. We'll see uh, how this pans out for them. SolarWinds is responding to the charges by the, FCC, by the SEC with a motion to dismiss the entire case altogether. The new filing with the U.S. Southern District Court of New York, SolarWinds and their lawyers argued that the SEC was outside of its depth of expertise as well as scope of authority in charging SolarWinds and its CISO, Tim Brown, uh, with mishandling the Russian-backed cyber espionage attack on its Orion platform. They're not wrong. This was a nation-state attack on the organization. There's something to be said there when you're going after the victim of a crime by a nation-state. The SEC should in turn turn to Congress and say, we should do something about it. 
So the campaign itself, obviously, the SEC alleges that the company uh, knew it didn't have appropriate cybersecurity controls. They bring up a whole bunch of Slack messages, stuff that, you know, uh, if, if you missed the episode on Friday, um, um, I, I did a really, really good episode, and, and it's really worthy of, of, of watching. We talked about a lot of a little bit of what's going on in SolarWinds. SolarWinds is denying and offers detailed denial of the SEC charges for their end. They've made proper, accurate disclosures both before and after the uh, attack, according to the state, according to the motion filed by Serene Turner, an attorney at Latham and Watkins, who's representing SolarWinds. The SEC is trying to move the goalposts, force companies to disclose internal details about their cybersecurity programs, which can be both impractical and dangerous. SolarWinds points out that the SEC was unable to specifically identify which SolarWinds security controls ran afoul of regulation. That is also very, very true. SolarWinds and Brown acted appropriately, maintained transparency throughout the process, the company said, adding it is SolarWinds, which is being unfairly criticized, characterized by the SEC as a perpetrator rather than a victim. All true. Um, so again, um, uh, all very, very true. We'll see what the court does with this motion. We're keeping a close eye on it. Uh, updating to the latest Jenkins version is becoming imperative as now an exploit code has been made publicly available for the critical vulnerability that was patched last week. That's CVE 2024-2389 or 7. It affects Jenkins versions uh, before 2.442 and LTS 2.426.3. The security defects exist because of the open source automation service command parser has a feature that replaces an at character followed by a file path into argument with the file contents. There's now an open uh, uh, exploit for this that's being used. If you haven't patched, please make sure to get your Jenkins environments patched in order to mitigate this specific risk. Researchers have identified malicious packages on the open source Python package index, also known as PyPy, that deliver information stealing malware called White Snake Stealer on Windows system. The malware list packages are named uh, NigPal, FickFlix, Telerar, C Gem uh, with a double M, uh, the, the Fadibi Bug. I don't know. Like, who comes up with these names? Really, developers are, have been uploaded by a threat actor named WS. These packages incorporate Base64 encoded source code, FPE, and other Python scripts within their setup.py files, according to Fortinet's FortiGuard Labs. Depending on the victim device's OS, the final malicious payload is dropped and executed when the Python packages are installed. And while Windows systems are infect, infected with the White Snake Stealer, compromised unexposed are served a Python script designed to harvest information. This was a campaign that overlapped with something that JFrog and Checkmarks all disclosed last year. Again, PyPy remains. We haven't talked about it in quite some time on the show, but it's still a threat vector and one we have to address. Juniper and Duran have released out-of-bounds updates to address several high-severity flaws in their SRX series and EX series that could be exploited by threat actors to take control of susceptible systems. The vulnerabilities CVE 2024-21619 and 21620 are rooted in the JWeb component and impact all versions of Juno's OS. Two other shortcomings, CVE 2023-36846 and 36851, were previously disclosed in August of last year. Uh, Watchtower Labs have also been credited with discovering and reporting Two additional issues, the two vulnerabilities have been addressed in the following versions. Uh, so there's that. Make sure you get those patched and updated as well. Keenan and Associates is sending notice of a data breach to one and a half million customers 
warning that criminals accessed their personal information in a recent cyber attack on the insurance brokerage and consulting firm that has a presence in education, healthcare, public agency sectors. Since 2017, it's been part of the Assured Partners NL, one of the largest brokerage firms in the U.S. The company submitted a notification to the Office of Maine's Attorney General, warning that 1,509,616 people were impacted by a data breach incident that occurred in the summer of 2023. They discovered this on August 27th, uh, reads the notification that began an investigation, engaged forensic experts, the data, that was obtained is full name, date of birth, social security numbers, passport numbers, driver's license numbers, health information, health insurance information, and general health information. So if you are a victim, you may want to reach out. And finally, the FBI is now warning about courier services being used to collect money and valuables from victims of tech support and government impersonation scams. This public service announcement follows a surge of reports regarding criminals using couriers to collect cash or precious metals like gold, earth, and silver from victims, many senior citizens, whom the scammers instruct to sell their valuables. The FBI is warning the public about the scammers instructing victims, many of whom are senior citizens, to liquidate their assets in the cash or buy gold and silver in order to protect their funds. Criminals then arrange for couriers to meet the victim in person to pick these up. While some scammers choose to impersonate tech support workers or U.S. government officials, they've also been spotted masquerading successfully as employees of technology companies, financial institutions, or the US government as part of the complex scheme. Um, so there's around $55 million that's being reported in loss from May to December of last year due to these types of scams. Those are significant. So uh, there's a whole bunch of tips on here, but we as security practitioners have a duty when we see something like this to talk about it. Reach out to your local city, potentially go to some uh, senior citizen living or places where you might find your senior citizens and just share this information so they know. If nothing else, they talk. The thing about senior citizens is they've got nothing but talking to do. So sharing that information with one group is gonna spread like wildfire. It's like a rumor in high school. It'll get out there and we'll be protecting these the most vulnerable people of our community. So something to take away from today, share that internally, let people share it out. Go speak with some of the senior citizens in your community. Let them know that these are some of the things that cyber criminals are doing and how they can protect themselves and how they can call the police department and so forth. That's it for our show this morning. Thank you all for tuning in. Tomorrow, back in the studio. Hope it all goes well today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe. Please give us a like and a share. Your comments are always valuable. We see, I read every single comment and I'm grateful for all y'all for tuning in. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.